And here it is again, end of the church year. A couple weeks left, and what we see like we do this time every year is an apocalyptic tone in our readings at this time of the year, which brings at least to the forefront of my mind a stark reality. The time's getting shorter and shorter. At least it seems that way as I'm getting older. Lately, I've been facing a number of end-of-the-year moments. At work, our fiscal year ended at the end of August. And all the stuff that comes along with that that I'm still dealing with. And now, we're at the end of our church year, at the end of November. We're at the end of the calendar year next year or next month, at the end of uh, uh, December. And everything's just moving quicker and quicker, and with all those uh, endings at least, there always seems to be a rush to meet some kind of deadline, Um, as if the reality that things are coming to a close caused a flood of utter anxiety, because at least in my life, I failed to get things done ahead of time, (laughs) and now I've got to deal with it at the last minute, and I suspect that might be true of a lot of us, with a lot of areas of our lives. Um, getting the last of the fiscal year you know, budget done or collecting invoices or closing out the church year and, and, and prepping for uh, a voters' assembly and preparing budget for things and getting ready for Advent. And, you know, and most of us, if you're like me, you rest to get your last tax payment done or your last contribution for your tax year done by December 31. Um, getting ready for Christmas and birthdays. I don't know what it is, but every year it seems to be the same thing with a time rush. And then there's another thing that's been creeping in my mind more and more uh, recently, and that's the realization that time's becoming more compressed. I think the older I get, the the quicker time seems to go. It's becoming shorter and shorter, Um, which of course makes me me reflect on my own life in a couple of different manners. One is that there's still a lot of things I want to do and see, places I want to go, there's some places like the Taj Mahal, or I want to go to Israel, or I want to see the Great Pyramids and whatnot. All those things have endured, you know, time. Now, I know that one day that they're going to crumble and fall apart and be gone. And, well, quite honestly, so will I. Which then makes me realize the second thing that's standing at the forefront of my mind, and that's, what do I want to leave behind? What kind of legacy do I want to be remembered by, or, or, or be a part of and leave behind? How do I want to be remembered? You know, I'm not some fancy ruler or king, thank God. So I'm not going to leave my mark in history books. I'm not a builder, so there won't be any building with my name on it. And I'm not wealthy, so there won't be any philanthropical piece that will go along with that. And not that any of those things will truly last forever. So I'm trying to figure out what it is and how I want to be remembered. What about you? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? How do you want to be remembered? Or what do you want to be remembered for being a part of? Because if I'm being honest with us, not one of us is getting any younger. (laughs) Time is compressing at a quicker rate for some of us just based on age alone. And every day that we live and we breathe is another day closer to the end of times as we know it. And as the sands of time pass, the apocalypse unfolds more and more. And what will be exposed at the end will be humanity's reaction to an enduring legacy. The legacy that is God's love for His creation. So from the days of the Old Testament prophets, it was prophesied what would happen to some people and what would happen to others at the end. In Daniel 12, we learn about a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation at that time. But we also learn 
that a people will be delivered. Those whose names are written in a book. There will be many who will sleep in the dust of the earth that shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and to contempt. This, my friends, portends the outcome of humanity's reaction to the gospel. Now flash forward to the gospel of Mark. And we find Jesus talking to his disciples about the apocalypse, the end of times. And as he does so, Jesus talks about the difference between the legacy of man and the legacy of God. Only one will endure. The other will crumble and be thrown down. And the disciples, well, we're going to learn why it's important to be on guard against those that would seek to separate us from this enduring legacy. So Jesus starts with the legacy of man. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. You know, I don't know about you, but I often walk around this, this property sometimes when nobody else is around, and I look at, at the stones up here and the altar, and I look at our, our facilities and our property, and I think of all the good times that have been had here and all the ministry that's taken place. And I look at these things and I think, wow, I want this place to be around for 60 plus more years. But it shouldn't be the legacy of these buildings, like the structures that stand for 60 more years, because it's never the legacy that's a true legacy that were built in man's hands, is it? It should be the ministry that I'm thinking of, right? That should be the legacy that this church leaves behind. The gospel. These things will crumble apart from God. So I find it interesting that as Jesus tells the disciples this, and then he goes and he sits on them, Mount of Olives, that his disciples don't ask why these things will happen. Rather, what do they ask? When? When will these things take place? I wonder, are they feeling a time crunch? Are they thinking that they might still have plenty of time to save the structures? Jesus doesn't really answer the question about when the end will be, only what the beginning of the end will look like. And embedded in that, is in the description is the implication of what the true legacy is. The legacy that endures, that's real and tangible. But in order to understand that legacy and to hold on to it, one has to understand why the legacy is even necessary. It's easy to want to listen to a parable-giving, humble-serving, impossible-healing Jesus, but not so much to a, an apocalyptic-speaking family and religious institution distance Jesus which is what we hear, uh, that's the kind of Jesus we hear today. This Jesus who distances himself from the wrong types of religion, who even in the beginning of Mark distanced himself from family, only because of what family stood for at that moment in time. This Jesus today speaks of crumbling temples and false prophets, of clashing nations and kingdoms, earthquakes and famines, it's kind of scary if you ask me. As Jesus says, though, these are but the beginning of the birth pains. But for his disciples, they're not to endure not only for these things, but the consequences of being his disciple. What are those consequences? Being delivered to councils, beaten in synagogues, 
bearing witness to kings and governors for his sake. And here it is, right now, the legacy I've been alluding to. That as disciples, we don't endure for the sake of nothing. The legacy we endure for and the legacy that endures is what? The gospel. Jesus says, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. The good news of salvation must be proclaimed. And at what? At all costs. Listen to what Jesus says. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, it's the Holy Spirit. We are the vessels, my friends, whom God works through. We shouldn't be afraid of what's going on, nor should we be guessing when the end of times are going. What we need to have is a sense of urgency, a sense of doing His work, a sense of spreading the gospel and carrying on the legacy that, that Christ has called us into. I want you to think about legacy for a moment. What is a legacy? Like most words in the English you know, language or any language, it's got multiple meanings. On the one hand, a legacy can mean what we leave behind or, or how we want to be remembered. On the other hand, a legacy is, well, somebody who has gone, uh, who has had a family member that's gone before him, like at a university or a fraternity or sorority. Think about that in terms of who we are as God's children. God has given us a legacy of salvation through the works of Christ. And in our baptisms, we're cleansed and we're made righteous. Therefore, we are legacies called to carry on the living legacy of the gospel. And what Satan wants nothing better than, than to separate us from that legacy, than to have us think that all these scary things in the world are, are worth giving up the legacy of the gospel for and run and hide and try to seek comfort in other things. And Jesus tells us, endure. Those who endure will be saved. And you know, as I think about that, I think about the day I'm going to have to stand there on Judgment Day and answer to God. I think about who I may or may not see there with me. And I think about my duties, my responsibilities, not only as a pastor, but as a child of God. And so as I think about what kind of legacy I want to leave behind, I think about the legacy that I belong to as a child of God. What about you? How do you want to be remembered? A new heaven and a new earth is being born, and it's making way for a new creation. And we are participants through whom God spreads a legacy. The gospel must be proclaimed to all the nations. And that doesn't just happen here within these church walls or on this church property. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> this property serves a purpose, and there are many things that we need to be intentional about in preserving it. But the gospel needs to be spread out there amidst the corruption and the violence and the pain and the forces of nature. And there will be brothers putting brothers to death and children rising up against their parents. And disciples, Jesus says, will be hated for bearing the gospel. But blessed is the one who endures. For as Jesus says, the one who endures in the end will be saved. The gospel is a legacy of forgiveness, of identity in Christ, of eternal life. It's a legacy that will endure and will never, ever be broken. I want to be remembered for being a part of that.
for enduring in this legacy. And I pray that Ascension's legacy is one that the people are engaged in connecting our communities with the gospel through our actions for caring for our neighbors, connecting them with resources and bringing the disconnected to Christ. What about you who are watching online? What do you want to leave behind to be remembered for? We want you to be a part of our legacy here at Ascension. We want you, more importantly, to be a part of the legacy of Christ, of the body of Christ. And we pray for you as well and want to connect you just as we want to be connected with God. Time is getting shorter and shorter, my friends. The world is crumbling around us, but take heart. God never, ever forsakes his people, helping us to endure the trials and tribulations of this world and saving us for the next. What better gift to give than the enduring legacy of the gospel? May that be what we're remembered for. And to God be all the glory. Amen.